You're listening to It's Real Life Podcast. Real hope. Real love. Real Real life. Good evening, everybody. It is so great to be back with you guys for It's Real Life Podcast. We have... Uh, a very exciting guest with us today. But before we go into that, let me stop for a minute and bring in my co-host, Chris Davis. What's going on, co-host? What's going on? Listen, I am super excited uh, to be back again uh, to dialogue with you. And, you know, we, we always have the the blessing and the gift of... Uh, um, having conversations with um, the world's greatest leaders. Um, and so we have another one of those with us today. Um, it's Real Podcast. So glad to be back with you, audience. Um, we're so glad that you tuned in with us. Um, so let me go ahead and without further ado, um, just kind of jump on in. We're, we've been in this leadership series um, talking to leaders about how they navigate challenging times for this series, um, Leaders in Distress you know, hope uh, in troubling times. And so one of the things that I wanted to do was just toss this alley-oop or throw an, a, a touchdown or or an interception in this case uh, to a really good longtime friend of both of ours, uh, Mr. Tyrone Smith. He has so many, many uh, areas that he is uh, utilizing his gifts, but I don't want to steal any of his thunder. So Tyrone, tell the people who you are, brother. Man, I am grateful and thankful, man, to be here. My name is Tyrone Smith. Um, here in Houston, Texas, I'm just forever grateful and thankful for opportunities uh, with my brother and with my sisters to just share my life, my story, my journey about being all that God has called me to be and sharing who I am, Chris. Man, you know that's like a super loaded question. You got to break that thing down in bite-sized pieces, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? Listen, because I, I got, got bite-sized pieces for you, brother. So we got, we got, we, we're just going, we're going to kind of walk it forward, right? So, so tell us a little bit about, um, you know, you said you're from Houston, kind of, kind of, you know, what your Houston time was as a young man, and then kind of walk us forward. You know, you have some uh, some athletic stuff in there because I kind of, I kind of hinted around at some, you know, some some uh, one particular sport. So maybe you can kind of give us some insight. Yeah, I was checking your analogies out, man. I, I was, I, I heard you. You were trying to use a football vernacular, man. I, you were working it. You went from touchdown to interception. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm feeling you. I'm, I'm just, as long as you didn't say kick field goals, brother, right. you know what I mean? I was just like, okay, he, he is working it today, like right. for real. <laughs> but yeah, my name is Tyrone Smith, man. I'm actually from Houston, Texas. And just a little bit about just my life and my story, my journey, and I pause. Um, I actually grew up actually in Houston, in the inner city. I grew up in Third Ward. And my story is a story of just um, triumph and overcoming. But yet my story is still going on. Um, my mom, you know, I grew up in Houston and my mom didn't finish middle school. My dad didn't finish high school. They're from Jasper, Texas and East Texas. Um, I'm the youngest of three boys. Um, my oldest brother, you know, he was in and out of prison. My middle brother, um, he was that kid that was mischievous, that succumbed to all um, issues of peer pressure in middle school. But he's doing a phenomenal job and doing well now. But I grew up in, in the situation, the time where I wasn't expected to achieve, accomplish anything in life. You know, and so here it is. I'm this kid that really wasn't expected to do a lot. 
but I had this love and this fascination um, with the game of football. And football became my outlet and my resource, my safe haven, my safe space. Um, and what you may not know that what Chris was alluding to, I'm a former NFL player, um, played professional football for four years, played for the San Francisco 49ers. I was an undrafted free agent, played with the Washington Redskins briefly, played two seasons overseas in NFL Europe with the Barcelona Dragons. But being that kid that grew up not expecting to do or accomplish or be anything in life to make it to the NFL was truly an honor and a blessing. But yet at the same time, my life and my story was a true um, journey, a triumph, um, shortcomings, um, shortcomings and, and pitfalls and obstacles and issues that I had to overcome. But yet at the same time, I'm still looking forward to all that I can do in life based on what God would have me to do and be. Nice, nice. Okay, so let's keep these these analogies going, man. These these football, uh, this vernacular, man. So there's a term in, in in football called first and goal. Can you can you can you relate to something like that? I know that there's an opportunity, man, for for folks to man when they have first and goal. You know, you you have all kinds of things in front of you. It's usually a term that's as a very hopeful term for a team who is on offense. Uh, and, and a term of challenge for a team who was on defense, but but first and goal is a, is a great term. Is that does that mean something to you, brother? Yeah, first and goal means a lot to me. Um, <laughs> and what and what Chris is alluding to um, an organization that my wife and I started over twenty years ago called First and Goal Inc. And I um, want to really create an organization that will actually impact the lives of young people. And being a young person myself, that was picked on, antagonized, bullied, had low self esteem. Had, had lack confidence, lack lack true desire in regards to believe and I could accomplish or do anything. And I want to create an organization, um, my wife and I, that would actually impact the lives of young people. So we created First and Go Inc. And the whole premise and focus was really to just support those students that had a lot that they were dealing with, but yet didn't have a true outlet or resource to be comfortable and to feel safe in regards to dealing with those issues that they were dealing um, with as individuals. And so that's Primarily why we um, created First Ago Inc. as a resource to truly be a blessing and an honor to support those students in need. And that's not to say that schools don't support students. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying, to be an additional support and resource for campuses and community groups to come in and support students where they are in regards to their character, in regards to their behavior, in regards to redirecting their mindset to give them a greater purpose in life. So, Tyrone, could you talk a little bit about... Uh, how First and Gold does that in the partnerships that you have? Yeah, and so one of the things, because people always ask us awesome questions, they're like, how do we do our work? I mean, you know, we're, we're about being out in the field, you know, with the students in the community, with campus and with the people in regards to, to serving. And so with First and Gold, we go into schools and we do group mentoring programs. Um, we talk to students about choices, decisions, purpose, self-awareness, setting goals, conflict resolution, um, leadership, college readiness. and But at the same time, we go in schools, but we don't do the work alone. Of course, there's a team of individuals that actually do the work with us to go and facilitate um, campuses and schools. But also, we work with, with universities and community stakeholders who fulfill the obligation of work that we offer those campuses that we serve. And, you know, we, we work with Houston Baptist University, who we're working with, like, right now on projects as well as the University of Houston, as well as University of Southern California. And it allows us to pretty much extend our reach to um, connect with higher education institutions to help facilitate the work in regards to supporting the, um, those students that we work with on a weekly, monthly, and daily basis. That sounds like awesome work. So you've been doing this for over 20 years. 
Have students come back to say anything about what they received yeah. d- during their time with you guys with First and Gold? Yes, I mean, we're doing the work for like over 20 years, well, 21 years now. There are students that we that we work with that are like, you know, seasoned adults now. And what's so phenomenal about the organization, we have an advisory board. And our advisory board is made up of individuals who are part of the program as a student or was a facilitator, camp counselor when they were in college. And so to have these individuals who were students um, 13, 14, 15, 19 years ago and to come and serve as a advisor board member to actually work as a camp counselor, to work as a, a volunteer and supporting students through our Read to Succeed reading program or our leadership programs or our character education programs is truly an honor and a blessing. So we have a number of students that, that have actually came back into the fold to actually walk alongside with us and do the work. So that's truly an honor and a blessing for me. And I can give you countless names of individuals like, you know, Maggie <laughs> Manzano, Padilla, to Roman Coronado, um, to Keith Cross, to Chelsea Bibbs, to Courtney Davis. I mean, just all these students that have actually came back and then are working alongside with us to make an impact in the lives of the students that we serve. So you did a lot of hands-on on school campuses with the onset of COVID. How has that changed? Yeah, with, with COVID, it's really been it's really been a challenge, but one of the things I'm truly grateful for, of course, like everybody else right now, is technology. With First and Gold, we partnered with an organization by the name of Nipers, Nipers Inc. And it's interesting because in February, um, we had an opportunity to really connect with them to do a, a um a campaign to do virtual presentations in February 2020. And this was before the pandemic. This is before this wasn't before the pandemic, but this was before everything was shut down in March. So we partnered with Nipers Inc. And Nipers Inc. is a company that basically brings like industry professionals to students virtually. It's like basically like virtual career day from professionals around the world. And so basically we partnered with Nipers. And in February, I did a presentation um, about my life, my story, my journey to the NFL and beyond to I think maybe like, like 1,500 students in 40 schools in like 20 states all at the same time in February, right? And so that was in February. And then in March, everything is shut down. And you're like, okay, what do we do next? And we had already established a partnership with Nipers that really had already set the platform to do virtual presentations and having the virtual platform with students. And that was just an easy transition for us. I'm, I'm, I'm using the word easy loosely, but it was it was an easy, somewhat easy transition for us to continue mm-hmm. to do our work virtually in regards to impacting the students that we serve. But it's been it's been a journey, but yet we've actually been able to actually extend our reach in this with this virtual platform. Nice. Well, and so here's what's interesting, you know, and I think that you know what you have just shared with us is why it's important for leaders to be nimble. Um, and flexible and um, diverse in terms of their their approach to doing what we do and doing what you do because these these kind of things happen. Like you said, no one ever saw or foresaw this coming and what the reach and the impact would be and how necessary what it is that you all are utilizing now uh, uh, um, it, it was to have something like that. So what would you say, when you you know when you think about leaders who may listen to uh, this conversation, um, what would you say to somebody like that in terms of how to um, approach leading an organization in times like these? I think when when you think about leading an organization in times like these, you have to be 
you have to be flexible. You have to be willing to like, you know, take a self inventory to, um, to reassess how you operate and how you navigate and how you do business based on your purpose and your goals and see what can you do differently yet to still be effective. I mean, because when I think about our, our impact numbers in 20 and 2019, Chris, our impact numbers as an organization, we impacted like about 2,500 students in 2019. And since we had, since we had to shift to a more virtual environment in 2020, we impacted over four, over 5,000 plus students. Why? Because virtually we have a, we have a more extensive reach. And so we had to pretty much sit down and reassess about how we were going to do work, um, what trains we needed to do, how we needed to pretty much like have our background, our lighting and our production set up to really bring quality service and programming to these students that we were going to be serving. But we had to think outside the box. We had to get out of our own way and like strategize to see what can we do based on a mission that we have as an organization. So I, I tell any leader, you have to be open to change, but in that change, you still have to be open to know that in it, you have room to grow. Nice, nice. Well, I, I think that, you know, there, there are a couple of different aspects of leadership that are extremely important. And you just kind of highlighted one of the aspects. But one of the things I want to kind of pull out a little bit is, you know, what makes up the leader? I think you, as you were kind of talking about some of your, uh, your younger years growing up in Houston in Third War and some of the things that um, that you navigated and um, that really probably contributed to the, the man that you are, obviously. But when you think about the leadership, the birthing of it, the genesis of it, can you talk about your younger years and some of those experiences that you had that make you the leader you are today? Man, that's that's awesome, Chris, because when I think about the leader that I am today, a lot has to do with my upbringing. You know, a lot has to do with the fact that I had to overcome so much. You know, I remember moving from the inner city of Houston, Third Ward, to the suburbs, Missouri City. And I remember moving to Missouri City. I'm at Ridgemont Elementary on the first day of school. I'm excited. New school, new environment, new house, new home. We got a front yard. We got a backyard. We have grass. I'm excited, but I get to school. I'm excited, but I'm in Ms. Shaver's class. I'm in Ms. Shaver's class. She, she's warming everybody up with multiplication, division. She called on Tyrone Smith. She asked me to answer the question on the board. I had nothing to say because in the fourth grade, I didn't know my multiplication or division. And so they moved me to a lower level class. When they moved me to a lower level class, the kids were picking on me, antagonizing me, saying, you're a hood kid, you're a ghetto kid, you're not smart enough. You don't know your multiplication, you don't know your division. In the fourth grade, so I felt less than a person. So I went into myself. And so here it is. I'm, I'm already feeling less than a person. I'm always feeling, I'm always trying, I'm already wondering, like, what do I do next? People are talking about me all the time. I'm constantly getting in trouble in the fourth grade. I'm acting out and fighting all the time. And I get to the fifth grade. In the fourth grade, I went to the office over like 50 times, Dale and Chris, over 50 times. I get, I get to the fifth grade. I didn't go to the office not one time. Let me tell you why. Because my fifth grade teacher is Betty Lou Williams. She said, Tyrone Smith, I've seen your record. I've seen your history. I'm not going to put up with you being disrespectful, but I do want you to know you had a capacity to do great things. I need you to believe in yourself. If there's something that you don't know, I want you to come to me because I am willing to help you. I'm here to support you. And here it is. This woman, let me know that she cared. She opened up her heart. She was genuine. She was authentic. She was real. And I believe every word that she said, and I didn't go to the office not one time in the fifth grade because why? She showed me that she cared. And so by Ms. Williams, like showing me that love and giving me that love and giving me, giving me that support, it made me want to do the same. 
if I had the opportunity to create something like Monica and I did by establishing first and goal to impact the lives of young people and be genuine, authentic, and real in doing so. So Ms. Williams, Ms. Br- um, Coach Dennis Brandley, who was my mentor in the eighth grade, who I met in 1987, to my Ms. Burnett, my 10th grade biology teacher, to Coach Tom Henderson, Coach Henry Henderson, to Walter Abercrombie, who was my who was my mentor while I was at Baylor. There were people along the way in my life who really support me in regards to where I am. And so when I created First and Gold, Inc., we wanted to create a program and platform that would genuinely and authentically love young people for who they were, regardless of what they were dealing with and going through. And so that was like the premise and focus when Monica and I talked about establishing the organization years ago, being intentional about the work we wanted to do, but at the same time, do it from a place of love and purpose. Wow. So, so why, why is, why are those components um, important um, as you, it sounds like what you're literally doing is taking the, the experience that you had, the love and the care um, and the intentionality of a teacher you're replicating at. Um, and it sounds like you're making other leaders. Why is, are some of those key components you just mentioned important in the process? I mean, I think it's important, Chris, because when you think about everything we deal with, go through and experience in life, it's all about like learned behaviors, right? right. All be, all behaviors are learned behaviors. And so when you think about the young people that we work with, they have all these learned behaviors, but they may not be the best behaviors. And so what we try to do is really give them a better perspective, you know, give them a better thought process in regards to how they go about doing things and doing life. Although they may have these learned behaviors that may not be the best how can we redirect or shift your mindset based on what you thought that was right that may necessarily be wrong that can actually keep you from being the best version of yourself? So what we try to do is really change the narrative, change the perspective in regards to how they do life. Wow. Wow. Now, now, That's such go a, ahead, important... I was going to say, go ahead and jump on in, girl. I know you got... <laughs> <laughs> That's such an important transition for students to make because... I mean, we we hear it in your own life experience and how it changed you. So you're doing the same for those students that you encounter in First and Goal. And that's amazing work. And kudos to you and Monica, your wife and your team with First and Goal. In a minute, I want to ask you something about outside the huddle. But before we go there, I wanted to find out, was first and goal always on your agenda? Because you mentioned this four-year um, NFL um, career that you had. So was it just a natural transition? You left the NFL and, and moved into first and goal? Right, right. Okay. So like before I even got in high school, I knew... In high school, I knew I wanted to create an organization or be a part of an organization that would actually impact the lives of young people because growing up, there was so much that I had to overcome, but yet there were people who helped me out along the way in my journey that I never forget. Like I said, Ms. Williams, Coach Dennis Brandley, and Ms. Patricia Landhart, who took me in when I was homeless, like in the 10th grade. So there were all these people who really helped me out along the way. And I was like, you know what? If I had opportunity, I want to give back. And so this was something that I told myself actually like in high school and my best friend, Roger McKenzie, we talk about it to this day, like all the time when you see the work that we're doing through first and goal. But at the same time, when I transitioned from the NFL, I already um, knew that this was something that Monica and I had been talking about that we knew. And I knew that we wanted to create once um, I got injured. Cause I, I, I didn't want to stop playing football now. I mean, I, I, okay. I didn't want to stop. I, I stopped playing football due to an unfortunate injury when I actually fractured and broke my T5 vertebrae along my spinal column. And that was that like 
basically like forced me out the game. That made me really understand that the NFL actually stood for not for a loan because you're not guaranteed to play for a loan. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So, so with that, because of course that was totally unexpected. So, how did you manage that? Because that means your life changed. Yeah, I mean, it was, and the, the the crazy part was that. I really wanted to play for about 10 years. You know, yeah, it's one thing to actually make it to the NFL, Deb and Chris, but it was just like, you know what? I mean, I, I want to at least give me about 10 years. I don't know why I was just like, I don't know why I was saying like 10 years, but I wanted to play like for a while because I really just love playing the game of football. I mean, I, I love the... I love the control chaos, what I call I me mean, to really tackle people and hit people really hard and not get in trouble for it. I mean, come on, come man. Come on, brother. You know what I'm saying? You got you to gotta yes, love right. it, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, mean, I, I just had to, I would have, I would have tackled my mom if she would have been suited up in the football game. I mean, that's how just crazy I was about the game. But when, when it happened, when I got injured, it was like, okay, the game is over. But I was thankful for the, the, um, the fact that not only did I go to Baylor University, I actually went to Baylor University. Um, and graduated my bachelor's degree in sociology and social work. So I, don't, I not only went to college, I went to and through college. And so to actually go to college and graduate and they have a plan in mind, and then here it is, you know, after graduating graduate from college, four and a half years later, I get injured. The game is taken away from me. So um, Monica and I just started masterminding, just researching about creating this nonprofit to impact young people. So it was a transition with a purpose. It wasn't like a blind transition because I knew what we wanted to do after the game of football was no longer part of my life. That time just came a little quicker than you expected. It did. Yes, it did. I mean, there's some things we have no control over. Absolutely. Absolutely. Regrets about that? No, no regrets. No regrets. I mean, I mean, my body jacked up right now. I mean, I, I've had like six knee surgeries, um, shoulder issues, knee issues, ankle issues. I mean, my neck and my back. I'm like EZL on Friday. I mean, I'm just like jacked up. You know what I mean? I mean, so it's just like my, no regrets with all the pain and everything that I've endured from the game. But it was a joy and an honor and a blessing to to actually play on that stage. But at the same time, um, the work that we do right now is even so much more fulfilling. Wow. Well, now here's a question for you um, because you sound like an individual um, who has the capacity do more than one thing at a time. Um, so, you know, with all that you guys are doing with, with First and Go, is there anything else that you got your hands in? Man, I have my hands in a few things, man. <laughs> I mean, man, <laughs> besides... That was a loaded question, huh? I, That was a loaded question, man. <laughs> besides running First and Go, man, I'm actually the student minister at the Church with Our Walls in Houston, Texas. With my, my brother, my friend, my pastor, Dr. Ralph Douglas West, where I oversee the student ministry, the Ignite ministry. Um, so between First and Go... Shout out to yeah. Pass. Shout out to Pass. Shout, shout out to Pastor Wes. That's my guy, man. The Big Bella Chick. That's what I call him. The Big Earl Stottle. Yes, sir. Yes, Pastor sir. Wes, um, big Patriots fan. And first to go to church, I actually authored a book, Outside the Huddle, Steps to Developing a Game Plan for Life. Um, I'm a public speaker, um, motivator. I mean, so there are a couple of things that I actually have my hand in, and I thank God for it, to just have a platform and opportunity to just make a difference the way that he's allowed me to do. Wow, that's amazing. What, what what is it like to be to to be you kind because first and goal, obviously as a believer, man, as a leader, uh in multiple spaces, you know, I, I'm sure that those threads, though, you know, those those aspects, those um 
those uh, those principles kind of bleed into the, the work that you do with the organization that you lead. How is it kind of being a leader in both of those spaces? Is there overlap? Is there some bleed over? You know, talk about that. A yeah, bit. no, there is definitely, man, some overlap, man. When you think about like working um, in the campus community environment as well as the church environment and impacting a lot of young people. I mean, it, it all bleeds over in regards to helping them understand in order they have a specific guided purpose in life. And it's truly an honor and a blessing to kind of like guide them um, in their direction when they actually don't necessarily know really what it is they would actually desire to do or how to actually get there. They may have an idea, but to be in the space and place, whether it be the church, campus, or community, to be a guide in life, man, I thank God. I thank God for it because it all bleeds over, man. And I'm just truly grateful and thankful, man, to um, operate in what, what God has given me to be able to do so. Nice, man. Nice. Here, here's a question. I, I, you and I had a conversation a little while back and you were kind of talking about some uh, some young men that you uh, you kind of pour into and speak into their lives uh, with the University of Southern California, USC. Yes. And you were talking about a recent conversation and um, and it really I think in the, the as you were kind of unpacking it, it really speaks to how leaders um, navigate challenging times. And sometimes the challenges aren't just uh, situational or circumstantial. Sometimes they're a little bit closer to home. Um, so can you talk about some of, some of, um, some of the personal things that you had to navigate through and some, and, and how, what that process has been like for you? Man, what's interesting, Chris, is that you bring up USC, right? And so for those that are tuning in, uh, for the past like eight, nine years, I've had the honor and the blessing, the privilege to speak and lecture at University of Southern California with my good friend, Dr. Broderick Leakes. Um, he's the head psychologist there at the University of Southern California. And they create this class, university um, create this class between the sports department and the psychology department. They create this class called the Foundation of Self. And so for the past like nine years, they brought me out to actually, they say I'm not speaking, they say I'm lecturing. So for the past nine years, they brought me out to lecture. And I lecture to their top student athletes that are freshmen. They're at the university. And so um, it's been an honor and a privilege. I mean, a lot of the guys that, I, that I've spoke to over the past nine years have been like first round draft picks, whether it be basketball or football or even track athletes as well. So I've had the privilege to just, you know, talk to these guys when they're in college for the very first year before they come these superstars that they a lot of them are today right and so I, i'm there and i talk about life you know beyond the football field and i and i go and share like my life my story my journey the triumphs the victories um the pitfalls and all these things about my life and actually where i am and the the craziest thing chris based on your question was that i spoke to the football um the athletes on february the first of this year right february first right and right. you talk about just dealing with um, stress and overcoming things. My father passed. My mother passed on December the 21st, 2020. My father passed on February 1st, 2021. I spoke to the athletes at USC on February 1st, 2021. Think about what I'm telling you, Chris. You hear what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And so here, yeah, so here it is. I mean, you know, I've been given opportunity, man, to actually impact these young men's lives with my words and with my life, with my journey. And my father passed early that morning. Um, Dr. Brock, Broderick Lee called me. He's like, and I told him my father had passed. He was like, man, we got to cancel, cancel your lecture. And we did it via Zoom, you know. And I was like, I said, man, nah, man, I, I need to do it. He's like, you sure? I said, man, it's what, my, it's what my mom and my dad would have me to do because right now I'm operating on their spirit and their energy being in me right now. 
And man, you know, it was it was just um it was an awesome, phenomenal time, man. He said, man, I felt that was like out of all the years you've done it, and you've been doing good every year. He said, I think that was your best one. But at the same time, it was it was therapy for me. And when I when I think about distress, and when I think about the stresses of life, man, you know, I think about like what's your therapy? And for me, man, having having people, man, who I can talk to as a support, because it was a journey for me to lose my mom on December 21st. And then six weeks to the day I lost my mom to lose my father. And that was hard. But I mean, you know, of course, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian, man. And my faith has really been 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 the, the solid rock in which I've stood on and been others um, supporting me within my um, ecosystem of support with the church and friends, which has really been like that balance for me. But at the same time, I'm not even I haven't been opposed to um, get to get grief counseling as well. I mean, I see a therapist, you know, to deal with the grief counseling as well. Um, the grief that I've been dealing with with the loss of my mom and my dad, you know, who are very dear and close to me and my family. So one thing I, I would encourage and challenge any person that's a leader that's dealing with something and going through something or, is, or you're going to eventually be going through something, you know, don't be afraid to open up. Um, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to be transparent. But I say don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I say don't be afraid to be transparent. But it, it's taking some time for me to get there as well, Chris. You know what I mean? I'm not saying like yeah. I woke up and I was that guy. Christian Dead, where I was, I was vulnerable and open. No, it took time for me to to accept me, me, uh, mental health as as a um as a true support, you know. Because in our community, it's like no, you don't you don't go see a therapist. I'm mean, just being right. honest, you know what I mean. But at the right. same time, I've been I've been I've been really seeking to learn more about myself and who I am as a person, not just through grief counseling, but at the same time, different things I was exposed to growing up as a kid that I wondered and asked my dad about that he never did share with me. And so when I when I say, you know, mental health is real, yes, it's real, but don't don't shun help and support in regards to seeing the therapist because I um I thank God for the treatment that I get by seeing the therapist. I thank God for the support I get from my um from my um my church and the ministry leaders and individuals who support me with what I've been enduring man these past couple of months. And it has been a journey, but um it hasn't been easy. It don't take away this thing, but I'm just staying the course, man, to be the best that I can be, man, as I recover to be um to be all that God would have before me. Wow. Wow. So, so here's, you know, and I, I, um, you know, we, we've been blessed, uh, all three of us to, you know, obviously, you know, have, um, spent some time serving in the same ministry, you know, the, the church without walls, um, at, at a period of time. Yes. Um, and have been able to, you know, kind of have our hands in and be used by God to be a blessing to a lot of different kinds of people in different spaces. Um, and so, you know, you know, with with it's real life podcast, I get the opportunity to uh, to co-host with a, with an extremely gifted woman, uh, Deborah. You all you already know. I always try to shout you out, try to affirm you. You know, I'll be trying to get your clients and all that kind of stuff. But but, but thank you, you know, thank of course, you, thank you know you. what I mean. You know that you know that they, I, I wouldn't love you if I didn't say you know what you do and kind of you know just really kind of highlight because I really, I really feel like um, it, it's important to kind of spotlight things that would be helpful to folks. And as they listen, uh, Tyrone, you kind of talked about mental health and, and about therapy and, and about why it's important uh, for folks to kind of ask for help. And I was, I was uh, talking to some folks and even I might even posted a Facebook post about the fact that as Jesus was on his way to the cross, uh, to the cross to Calvary, Calvary's Hill, that he got help from an African man named Simon of Serene, Serene being a, a port city in North Africa. And the fact that Jesus even, needed help that that if jesus needed help to fulfill his destiny how how is it that we don't right right and so um deborah has a, a, a an incredible 
a, a coaching uh, a practice. And so, and so what, what would you say about um, not only therapy and, and talking to a therapist, but also finding yourself kind of a coach or a mentor what, and what that means in the life of, of a leader like yourself? Man, I think it's necessary. I mean, the work that Deborah's offers, that Deborah offers as a coach, man, I think is really critical for the development of um, our leaders. Because, you know, when you lead, you can only like do so much. You know, you get right. you get to that ceiling. You know what I mean? You, you've been successful. You've done some awesome things. But yet, you may need somebody to really come in and take a um, a self inventory of what it is that you've actually done to actually like you know raise you up to another level. And that's what Deborah actually offers individuals as a coach. That's what other coaches actually offer because I can assure you, there's so much more to be done. But at the same time, you have to be willing to stretch yourself. And if you're not stretching yourself, you're not growing. I think if you have a quality coach that would actually like stretch you, it would allow you to grow in a, in a deeper sense that you've actually never thought about before. So that's why I appreciate Deb in regards to what she's doing because, you know, she's making um, major differences in the lives of others by facilitating as a coach to actually like lead them to just um, lead in a higher level to add depth to what they do in their capacity as well. And I appreciate you guys uh, so much for that. Tyrone, you mentioned stretching. I just finished... Uh, a video, I'm doing a video series on intentional growth and stretching is one of the things that people do not yep. want to do. And very few of us want to be stretched, want to come outside of our comfort zone. But you mentioned even in your time of distress that you wanted to be everything that God has called and ordained and created for you to be. So you knew the importance of getting the help. And, and it is so important. And, and I'm sure that's stretching you at this time in your life, having to carry what you're carrying and continue uh, to touch the lives of the people that you touch. So I just want to say hats off and I commend you for taking that kind of stance uh, to, to, to be what God has called you to be. And uh, man, you're doing an amazing job. You do amazing work uh, with the, with the kids through, through your organization and through the church without walls. Uh, so God bless Man, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's, um, I, I thank God. I take no credit. Um, I thank God like, like no other, because it's, it's been a journey. And I think, you know, it's been a season of, um, stretching. It's been a season of being uncomfortable, but it's been a season of, um, refocusing at the same time. And I think, you know, having somebody, um, in your corner, if you're a leader, having somebody in your corner that can really be that that shine in life for you and guide for you, it doesn't make you any less of a person as a leader. I just think it adds value to you as a leader. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I mentioned earlier Outside the Huddle, which is the title yes. of your book. So talk to us about how that came about and uh, kind of the journey with Man, being you know, an author. Growing up, I never thought I would have been. I would have been an author or a writer. I'm just like you know. I'm, Man, I, I was a hood kid. I wanted to be a rapper, entertainer, or a football player. Like, like, <laughs> like, right? And I'm like, man, I, that was the last thing on my mind. And I, but, but it was years ago. Years ago, I, I had the opportunity to do a speaking engagement. It was like in Temple, Texas, and. The, this this was, the lady called me. She's like, you know, we want to bring you down to speak and love on the students, encourage the students, motivate the students. I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, I can do that. And she was the, the, the real real story. The lady was like, but um, one question: Do you have a book? I'm like, no, ma'am, I don't have a book. She was like, okay, well, let me call you back tomorrow. I'm like, 
okay, but okay, what what does I have? What does it have to do with anything? Do I have a book? <laughs> and so she called me back, and she was like, you know what? Um, we're not we're gonna we're not gonna bring you down. We'll get back with you next time. And you guys know what that means. We'll get back with you next time. Like, right. just say you're not going to bring right. me honest. You know what I mean? She's <laughs> right. like, we'll get back with you next time. She's like, but we're going to bring a speaker in. They actually have a book. And she said, she said, you know, because we can bring the speaker in and this speaker is really going to leave a lasting impact on the lives of the students, I'm sure. But their story will be chronicled in our library because we're going to order a gang, of, a gang of their books as well. And I was like, oh, okay. And I kind of mm. thought about that. I was like, man, I mean, it makes sense, you know, but she ain't have to just like kick me to the curb like that. But I was like, right. I get it, you know. <laughs> and so me and, me and Monica, we were like hanging out. Um, Monica Monica took me to the nail salon to get a Manny and Petty, manicure and pedicure. You know what I'm saying? I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm <laughs> not ashamed on, to say it, Chris. I'm putting it out there, bro. Come on, <laughs> Doc. <laughs> and so we're, we're, I'm, I'm writing out, I'm writing the, writing out my um, outline for my presentation for an event I'm about to do down in the valley with my man Moses Medina. And I wrote out my outline. I was talking, I was gonna talk to people about like um purpose, plan, process, pitfall, people, practice, progress for your life. Like in with each of these particular points, I was gonna give relevant life examples about my life and about my story and about my journey and how I applied the principles in my life. So it was like an outline for my presentation. And so over the years, I was just like, hold on, this could be a book. Yes, right. Like, okay. I'm like, okay, thank God <laughs> yeah. for the Manny and Patty, Monica. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so we had the nail shop, man. That was that was the outline. That was the premise and the focus right there for the book. And we just, you know, put it all together, man. Just me, Monica, my sister-in-law, doll of the team, um, Erica James, and others, man, that really helped support us. Just got just to put that body work together. So, you know, 2016, boom, there you have the book, outside the huddle. Um, relevant life examples. Um, and principles that I'd applied in my life going back to a kid up until now. And so um wrote a journal companion outside the huddle, um, journal um support element as well with the book. So I just I'm just thankful for um just the opportunity to just serve and just do the work. What would you say to other leaders who have um obviously some lived experiences that could really be beneficial uh, for some folks? And, and they probably need to be kind of nudged in the direction of, you know, a devotional or a book uh, or something of that nature. What would you say to kind of uh, encourage or inspire some folk to do that? Man. And then what was the process like for you outside of being inspired in the nail salon with your wife? Yeah. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> you know? I mean, what would you say to that? Man, what, what I would say first to anybody who really hadn't thought about writing the book, I would I would encourage you. Um, whatever you feel led to that you feel led to pen, which is like to write, whatever life experience that you would feel led to write, I would just encourage you to pretty much like outline it, right? Outline it. And then I would encourage you to kind of to connect with somebody. If it's somebody like Deborah, that's a coach that can really help guide you because not everybody can actually just like just write an outline or just like per se, like write a book. What helped me was, of course, um, my sister-in-law, um, Darla Dawkins, she's an author and a writer. And so she actually helped me initially um, lay everything out. But me and Monica went with her with the idea and the concept of actually like writing the book. My my coach was my sister-in-law, Darla Dawkins. So she was like my coach in regards to like helping um, us like develop and lay the book out. And then I brought other editors in as well. But if you're really serious about writing something, I mean, really write down some notes and specific focus points about what is it you would like to share and then connect with somebody. It could be a coach, right? 
it could be another author that somebody that can really that can really like um, mentor and support you in the journey to actually writing your book. Um, wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's really interesting because uh, you know my my illustrious co-host uh, is a multifaceted, multi gifted individual. She herself yes. has put pen to paper. <laughs> Debbie, you wanna you wanna talk about that a little bit? I know we. You know, since we're talking about it, I mean, you know. You know what, Tyrone, you're you're exactly right. Because if once you have the idea, there is so much help out there to pull it together and to fine-tune it. I just finished with a self-discovery journal. And Chris, I sent you the rough draft since then. Uh Christy Staples of Get Launched has uh, created me a cover. She fine-tuned the inside of the journal, and we're ready to go wow. to publishing. We're just straightening out a few yeah. details right now. I'm also working on a, a devotional from some work I did in 2019 with a women's organization over First Peter, uh, the book of First Peter. And so that should be coming out pretty soon. And then I'm working on a book, uh, the title of which, well, let me tell you this. It was born out of something that we're all familiar with. When we were in grade school, the teacher would say, class, get in line. And no matter where we were in the line, at the beginning of the line, middle of the line, end of the line, we were going to get to the destination of wherever the teacher was taking us, right? All we had to do was stay in line and follow. Well, that's so much like how God does with our purpose. He is the divine architect. He is the one who designed and created us. That means he also determined our purpose. And all we need to do is get in line. So the title of the book is Get In Line With Purpose. So I'm really excited about that. That I'm still working through all of the details. Got the outline done, Tyrone. And uh, so just pulling the pieces together. So yeah, I got some stuff coming up. I'm really now excited about it. You better get in line. I hear that. <laughs> you better get in line. <laughs> I'm about to get in line. I'm, I'm in line right now. I'm yeah. in line by myself. Hey, like, I'm going to tell you. I'm telling you. You know, and it's, you know what's so cool is yeah. I remember having a conversation with you, Deborah, and you and that illustration came to came to fruition. I was like, ooh, we both were like, ooh, that's good. <laughs> right, right. So Lord has been yeah. putting some meat on those. But bones, I think I think that's yeah, I think that really I'm highlights really, really um how the inspiration comes, you know what I mean? It, yeah. it comes from, you know, these casual conversations where we fill out what the Lord has poured in, right? We, right. We're, unbeknownst to us, he is, yeah, he's already yeah. engineered, you know, a lot of this stuff in our life stories. He's already kind of just put these little reference points. And, uh, and I think so. I mean, it really, it feels like, you know, when you start looking at the meat of all, the, all of our experiences, um, there's treasure housed in them, right? right. And, and so when you, like you were talking about earlier, Tyrone, like some of your earlier experiences, how you were able to kind of pull from so, some of those experiences, some leadership principles and some principles to help people kind of develop and kind of get them where they need to be, you know, there's obviously a whole lot more there, right? Yeah, And so yeah. you can kind of keep going back to the well and getting more and different aspects, different angles, different perspectives on some of these things. I wonder, you know, for, for leaders who are listening to this or people who are aspiring or feel called or kind of pulled or nudged to lead uh, and, and, you know, on various levels, because you ain't got to be the first person, you ain't got to be CEO to lead, right? 
Right. But, but what would you say about uh, looking how they could look at their lives and to discover, discern those kinds of things that they could kind of share of value? Because some people may not feel like they have anything valuable to say. I think everybody has something valuable to say, but I think it's really people just got to really just like unplug, sit down, get quiet and be still. And that, that's, that's one thing that we all had to do during with this pandemic, man, to actually like be still. But at the same time, you have to when you be still, you got to be intentional when you're being still and really hear what is it? What is it that I have that God has given unto me that I can like make an impact in a particular circle or sphere or group? Like you know, and if, if people really just sit down and get quiet and be still and really just think about all what God has given unto us as individuals, because I truly feel we all have the capacity to add depth in some particular arena. But it's all about finding out what is your lane, what is your niche. What is your defined purpose? And I think we all have that to offer, but I think sometimes people just try to get caught up in trying to do what others are doing, but they don't take enough time to actually look at themselves to really see what they can do and should be doing. You know what I mean? So I think if we just, you know, stop looking at, you know, the captions, right, of others, you know what I mean? And really take a step back to really see what mm-hmm. it is that I have to offer the world as a person, as an individual, and how can I manifest it into something great and understand like my purpose and my position in my lane, you had the capacity to do great things. And I think, you know, that's what um, Deb is doing. That's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. Are we perfect at it? No, we're not. You know, we take a step back and reassess about what we've done to see what we can do, what we can do to be better. And we take, you know, constructive criticism well also because we're not perfect in doing what we do. But at the same time, we know we have to stretch ourselves, like we said earlier. Wow. Hey, man, that's, 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 that's it. Deb, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, obviously, you know, when you're in this process, I mean, and you as a, you're a brilliant thinker and, and you're a, a great strategist and you can kind of take a step back like the 30,000 feet and the five feet and be able to kind of see pieces. What would you, what would you add to that? I mean, I think Tyrone it hit it right on the head. There were a couple of key things that, that you said, um, the journal that, that I'll, I'll be posting out real soon, uh, discovery journal, it really deals with what you said, Tyrone, taking a step back, being quiet, centering with all of the social distancing that has taken place and the isolation that has taken place during COVID, we have still not been disconnected because now technology allows you to be even more connected. And so people don't take the time to process even what happens to us during the course of Mm. a day. Their emotions that have been uh, ignited, their thing, things that happen that caused us to feel certain ways, but we don't stop long enough to uh, reflect. And so things like the journal will help you to, to, to think about that. One of the things I say is that uh, COVID has impacted everybody. Nobody is untouched because of this pandemic that being said as you come we're coming hopefully out of it or into this next phase we need to ask Mm. the question Mm. who am i now after being impacted by all of this who am i now Uh, tyrone you mentioned how demonica is both the teacher the cafeteria lady the counselor the principal she's all of those things now because of COVID and children having right. to uh, be home. 
So, so what has that created in her? And there are so many other women and and, and men who have the same scenario. What has that created for yeah. them? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we don't take time. I think that reflective yeah. piece is critical in, in understanding what it is God has purposed for you to do and then being able to get in your lane. Yeah, because you got to be you got to be still because because that's, that's one thing when, when everything went down with the pandemic. I, I got so many approaches. I mean, because when, when everything hit, it's like everybody had these different things you can jump on and kind of like become the like, you know. The, the next million, mm-hmm. all these different things coming at you. But if you're not being still, you know, you're going you're gonna to fall for the trick. Wow. You know what I mean? But if, if you're being still, you're being right. intentional, you connect with somebody who, who will hold you accountable, you're not going to get caught up in all of the, 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 the narratives around you, the, the white noise, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Curious, because we're all individuals who kind of are, are busy, kind of have our hands in a number of different things you know, trying to fully utilize the gifts, talents, and abilities God has uh, invested in us. What would you say are ways that people, because I think you're right in terms of being able to slow down and find some, you know, and, and institute stillness um, in, in our process, right? Um, yeah. How do you, how would you say do that? And I was, I was mentioning that, you know, there's a verse of scripture that talks about how, how God will, will make us lie down in green pastures, right? So how do we, how do busy people find stillness? Man, with me personally, <clears throat> there there are two points that I think that I mean I keep saying the word attention. You have to pretty much like like busy people plan, but most be not not everybody's busy plan. Most people that are busy that affected that affected in what they do, they actually plan. And so you got to plan that. You got to plan those moments, those times where you pause and be still. I mean, yeah, I do it in the morning. When I have a devo. but then when I get to um, whether if if I go to my home office or my office at the church. I didn't have another time and moment where I get still before I get working, before I get my day going. And even sometimes during the course of the day, I can get going and I may pause after lunch just to be still. And I think the thing about it is you have to like build in those moments and those intentional times where you can actually be still and like self-reflect over your day and your work and your purpose and your goals that you actually have in mind. But the key is it's always easier said than done but the challenging part, will you do it? I mean, put it on your planner. Put it in, put it as a reminder in your phone. You know what I mean? In your day. And I think it's actually necessary because you can get so busy going to try to get to the next task and next goal that you'll get caught up in just being busy. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm, I'm one of those folks that gets busy trying to do 50 million things and forget to eat. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right, you know, so right. Stillness, I'm, I'm, I'm not asking just for the people who listen. I'm asking for myself, right. like, brother. Right, right. <laughs> because, you know, I think the challenge is that we always see that there's more to you know? do. And, right. you know what I mean? It's like, okay, and if I spend this time, I can spend this time, you know, being quiet, you know, but then I'm like, man, you know how, like, when you spend money on things, you're like, man, how could I have spent that money differently? You know what I mean? Right. But I think right. I think people need to value and understand and realize that there's value in rest, yes. value in Sabbath. You know what I mean? It's value in taking a step back, taking a step away. You know what I mean? Because like you know, they, they, there's this phrase. You know, if if I don't take care of me, I'm going to be no good for everybody else. Right. And, and right. so I think you and you touched on it a little bit earlier. I think Deborah, you spoke to it too as well about like the value of you know your mental health. I think yeah. rest is a part of that. You know, stillness is a part of that, in my opinion. 
So we're, we're, we're winding down to our, our time limit here, Tyrone. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. For, for bringing the fire. <laughs> no, nah, thanks for having uh, me. Because <laughs> this has been really, really good. We usually close with three questions okay. for our guests. And the first question is, what music are you Man, listening to? What music to? am I listening to? Man, I, 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 I've been listening to just like an assortment. Yeah. There, there's this um, uh, Mav- Maverick music. Uh, Maverick music with... Um, with my man, um, Moore. Chandler Moore, yeah. Uh, Chandler Moore, yeah. Chandler Moore, man. I mean, Chandler Moore, man. I've been, I've been listening to his stuff, man. He's talented. He's amazing, man. I've been listening to, like, Maverick music, man, with, with Chandler Moore and just getting it in, having, like, my own praise and worship literally, like, every morning. I may throw some Lecrae in there, uh, some Chaz Paris. I mean, some Christian hip-hop. So that's what I've been rocking lately. Nice. Hey, but man, that, that Maverick but, City, I just got hit to Maverick City, so. Yeah, no, yeah, Maverick, Maverick City been going hard, but then, you know, a little bit, I've been kind of having a little flashback. You know, you had that verses with Earth, Wind, and Fire and the Isaac Brothers, so, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, brother has to kind of like, you know, kinda, <laughs> you know, take it back, take it back a little bit, you know what I mean? Oh, 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 uncle, oh, Come uncle, on. Uh, running eyes with my uncle, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I've been taking it back a little bit as well, so I've been mixing it up. Yeah. You got you got to be versatile, man. It's it's it's, uh, it's interesting, you know that that uh, you know I've I've seen. I don't know, Deborah, you've seen this too, where a lot of the <laughs> leaders we have an opportunity to talk to have diversity in their music choices. You know, you have different genres. You know, yeah, you got some folks yeah. that be like, man, I like jazz, and then they like you know some some hardcore hip hop or something. You know what I mean? They just kind of have yeah. a, a, a mix of everything, man. I, I'm glad to hear that, man. Um, so the the next question. Uh, that we typically ask, so we know what's kind of going in your ear. What's going in your eye, man? What are you What are you reading, man? What kinds of books are you reading? What kind of books would you recommend, man? Uh, man, to be honest with you, man, I've been reading um, Tony Evans. Man, he has a study Bible. Tony Evans has a study Bible. I don't know how long the study Bible's been out, man, by Tony Evans, but it's been it's been a good. It's a study Bible, man, that's filled with like a lot of stories, illustration, biblical principles. Um, um, Daily devotions. I've actually been like reading it like daily because it's it's a Bible, but it has a lot of um reading to pretty much like support different texts. And I've been like I've been really into it, man. I've been really into it. Oh uh, yeah, I actually had yeah. it too, man. And and you're right, man. It's it's uh it's a treasure trove of uh not just biblical insights, man, and principles, but man, it he even has like these little the- QR, QR codes, codes. Yes. you can watch videos. Yes, yes. bro, he, the, he got QR codes where you can watch videos at <laughs> time with a particular lesson, lesson yeah. or the text or the yeah. illustration. Man, so like literally, it's right here beside me right now. I was just reading one, one of one of the daily elements, man. But yes, yes, I've been I've been digging it, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I'm I need to get that one. I need to get that one. Okay, so our last question, Ty, is. What do you do just to chill? Man, what just I do just to chill, I like to just um just hang out and just watch movies with the family. That's that's movies with the family. Because I can be so busy, just that time to actually unplug and connect with the family, man. That's what I love and enjoy doing. Watch movies with the family. We used to do it every week. And um that's a that's a big joy for me, to be very honest. Wow. 
Hey, Deb, real quick, awesome. I got a question for awesome. Tyrone. Awesome. Tyrone, awesome. Uh-huh. I, I, we had a conversation with a, with another former uh, NFL football player, and it's interesting because, and I don't know if you recall this, Deb, one of the things we were asking him some very similar questions, and he mentioned the same thing. He said, man, chilling with my family, chilling with my wife, is is the way that I chill. What 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 do you what do you think uh, uh, is kind of a core nugget there, right? Why is it that that individuals like yourselves who played, you know, one of the more violent sports that you can play, find their chill time and spending time with their family? Because I think you know when you when you play a team sport, you have a sense of family with all these these teammates of yours. You know what I mean? And to have your your own family just pretty it, it, it validates it just that much more how valuable like the family is, you know. And then you know, for me, I, it, it's critical because you know my mom and my dad got divorced when I was in the eighth grade, and that like rocked my world. So, if any, if anything, if, if anything, how can I do better as a father, as a husband, to honor my wife, to honor my family, to be intentional before them. You know, because the thing about it is, because we could be so busy and work, because there's always work to be done, and there been and, I, and there have been times where I was actually putting work before family, and now I have to I have to take a step back and say, man, you know what? I mean, enough is enough. So I can honestly say, work is going to be there, business is going to be there, but this family, man, is like for a lifetime. Oh, that's important, especially as an as an as, a, as an African American man. Um, I think it's important to highlight. That that narrative, because that's not an often heard or an often um, uh, um, you know magnified or amplified message that there really are men um, who love their families and um, and have that as a priority. And so I, I I you know hats off to you, man. I applaud you and I appreciate you, know, you sharing that with us. Oh man, just it's the truth, man. That'll work. That'll work. Well, Deborah, uh, it's about that time. You want to go ahead and take us on out, sister? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Again, Tyrone, thank you so much for this conversation. I, I believe our audience is going to really, really glean some great tips and tools and are going to be really uh, helped and encouraged through your testimony and through your sharing of your life. And, and I so appreciate you. Um, tell them right quick, how can they find your book if they want to connect and donate to, uh, yeah, man, if they would like to donate support first and gold, they can go to our website, um, team first and gold.org T E A M F I R S T A N D G O A L.org team first and gold.org. Definitely go out and support us, man. We're really just trying to make the greatest impact that we can. If you're interested in getting my book, you can go to my website, TyroneSmith24.com. So it's T-Y-R-O-N-E-S-M-I-T-H-24.com. If you order a book through my website, I will autograph it for you personally. Just leave a leave a message and know in the comment section when you place your order. You know, I I I get it, get it knocked out for you. Awesome, awesome. We'll be sure to put that on our Facebook page, yes. how they can connect with you. Great, great. 